Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Good morning, Coastline. How y'all doing today? <clears throat> I saw that video this past week, and uh, I think it's something for us to be reminded about the fact that uh, when it comes to uh, the life that God has given us, this adventure that we're on, uh, to be reminded that he's the, the author. He's the one that is continuing uh, to write it in us. And so uh, as we're continuing um, this summer season uh, and as we're spending time with families and with one another, as we're continuing to, to write our own stories and adventure of life that we're in, um, I thought, man, this is such a great opportunity uh, to start a new series that we're going to start today called History. Uh, specifically, um, talking about our own stories and the, the, the history that's being written now, but understanding that he is continuing to be the author in our lives. So not only is it our story, it's also his story. And so uh, today we start on uh, week one uh, of, uh, of this collection of talks. And we're going to be hearing from uh, some other people in the church and some of our, our elders and uh, talking about how God's continuing to work through their story as how he's writing history through them. And so, um, you know, I'm a, I really enjoy uh, watching uh, and, and, and reading about history. I think there's a lot to be learned. Uh, but as much as I like history, I'm not anywhere as near a history nut as what my wife is, uh, specifically when it comes to, like, British history. Is there any uh, guys or ladies in the house you guys like British history? You and three people, babe. You're great. Um, my wife will watch any documentary that has anything to do with, like, uh, royalty or anything. I'm pretty sure she was supposed to be like a princess growing up or something like that. And then she married the wrong guides, you know, so pastor, princess, kind of the same thing, right? Um, <clears throat> but, um, you know, I remember uh, this was probably a couple years ago, uh, but coming home from work and I find Erica uh, and on the couch in just a heap, just bawling her eyes out just crying like uncontrollably. And like, I, I was so afraid because I'm like, I don't know what's happened. Like somebody in our family has passed away. Like something happened along the way. I don't know what's going on. And like through the sobbing and through the tears, I'm like, baby, what's wrong? What's going on? What, what happened? And she's like, they burned it down. And I'm like, I don't know. What do we need? I'm like looking around. I'm looking at the neighbor. They burned it down. I'm like, what? She's like, Whitehall Castle. And I'm like, what? Where's White? When? She's like, what was it like in the in the 1300s, 1700s, or whatever it was? She had watched this documentary and like had it in her heart at some point to, you know, we would go over on our like 10th year anniversary and go visit this castle she had heard so much about, and she finally caught up in history in which she found out that it had been burned down and completely destroyed, and she was just tore up from the floor up, man. It was so sad. What? You, baby, okay, she's, she's saying, yeah, you don't ball, I know. Um, she was tore up. It was bad. Uh, but I think history is important. I think history, uh, we learn a lot from history, uh, but I think we also need to be reminded that um, even in what we're doing now, even as we take each step, as we start this week off today, 
going to church and worshiping, um, to realize that God is continuing to write our history through us and what we do here and now. And uh, so I want to do it the best that we can. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we're not going to experience hard times or difficult things. I think it's a part of, uh, of human nature, this ad adventure that we're on. Um, but all the while, how do we continue to pursue it the way that he would want us to uh, and continue to bring glory to him? And so uh, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump into it. If you guys are, you guys ready? Everyone okay? Perfect. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in us. Uh, God, I, I'm sure that for some of us this past week might have been difficult or hard. Uh, I, there, there might be even tension going into this next week. Um, God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would just come upon us and would be the, uh, the thing that, that administers peace to us in this moment. That we'd be able to focus our hearts and minds completely on you, that you would teach us. God, I pray that you give me words beyond what my ability would allow. And I pray that as the good Father that you are, that you would teach us here this morning and that we would continue to surrender control to you as you continue to write our story, as, you, as we live in, in, in our history that is what you're creating for us. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> today I want to uh, primarily uh, tell you a little bit about myself, but also uh, talk about a story in history that really hits home for me. It's a story of a man named Joseph. Uh, you can find the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Uh, it's about 10 chapters long, uh, but it is a pretty easy read. Uh, this next week, if you're looking for uh, some Bible reading to do, if you start at Genesis 37 and go all the way through 47, it's a great story. There's a lot of great lessons, uh, but it's a fantastic story through history uh, for you to check out. Joseph hits home to me, not in just the story, but also my middle name is after him, Joseph. So my, name, my full name is Brian Joseph Nichols. So at some point uh, in, uh, in, my in, in being born, my mom uh, connected with that story enough and said, hey, you know what, we're going to name Brian part of this, from this. And so um, we're going to start reading in the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verse 2. And it says this, this is an account of Jacob and his family. Now, so you guys know Jacob was the father of of Joseph, the guy we're going to be talking about here today. It says, when Joseph was 17 years old, how many of you guys remember back to being 17? I'm still stuck at 17 in my brain somehow. Like, I say some jokes, and Erica's like, please, don't. You're 37 years old. You can't say stuff like that. You can't act that way. But in my mind, I'm, I, feel, I feel young. If I go and try to run, I don't feel so young anymore. But at 17, it says that Joseph often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brother and the sons of his father's wives, uh, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things that his brothers were doing. Now, we all automatically hear in this, in this paragraph a couple things. One is that, that Joseph uh, was one of the younger brothers. He might, at this point, he was the youngest. And so you, you understand that younger brother complex, right, where there's this thing where you kind of get beat up by the rest of the guys. You're low on the totem pole, so much so that he was out doing, uh, taking care of his father's flocks. And from past history, we understand that, that shepherding in those days was actually an unclean thing. It was not a fun job to do. Uh, it, was, it was something that was probably pretty boring, but also being with the sheep all day. Sheep were smelly. I've never actually experienced hanging out with sheep, but I hear they're real dumb, um, and so Joseph is, is taking care of his father's flocks, uh, but all along the way as, as, they're, uh, as he's doing so, he's also tattletaling on his older brothers and what they're doing 
wrong. Now, the reason it is, is because of this, we read in verse 3, is that Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. Now, parents, if you don't know this, you're not supposed to have a favorite child, right? That's a tough thing to do as a parent, though. I'm just going to be real for a second. Because you get that one kid that's just like testing your salvation, right? And you get the other kid that just loves and wants to snuggle you all the time. It's great. And the other one's like throwing food at the wall. You're like, I love you both so much. I don't have favorites at all. We're being real in here today. So Jacob, he, he has his favorite son. He loved Joseph more than the others uh, because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. I remember being, um, growing up being a teenager and being jealous of my sister because my sister was like the rule follower. Like she had no problem. She never got, she might have got like one spanking our entire lives. I got like one spanking a day. It was like, man, if I could have, there was a way you could have invested in spankings, I would have been a millionaire right now because I got more than you can ever even imagine. But I, I'm going to be honest with it. I'm not even going to like say anything about, it, my, about, about my parents. I literally was a terrible kid. I was the kid throwing food at the walls. I was the kid sneaking out of the house. It was not a good time. Part of the reason why I think I got one of my kids that is like so like rebellious and like active is because I think God's like trying to get me a, give me a taste of what I was when I grew up. It's terrible. I'm like, I'm asking forgiveness all the time. But I remember being jealous of my sister because I felt like, man, she gets everything. Like anything she wants. Dad's like, can I, she's like, dad, can I have some money? And dad's like, here's some money. I'm like, dad, can you have some money? He's like, go rake the yard. I'll give you a quarter or a bag. We had a big yard. We had this giant, it was, anyways, I'm getting off topic, but I was always jealous of her because she got everything. She was, she was always the easy one to get along with. People really liked her, and I was always, always jealous of her. So I understand what these brothers might have, might have felt a little bit. It says in verse 5, it says that one day, or one night, Joseph had a dream. When he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more than ever. I stopped for a second and thought about this because I, this is a little bit off topic, but I felt like maybe for some of us, maybe there's, maybe there's people in your life, or, or sorry, maybe you're at a point in your life where you have a dream. Maybe you've got some aspirations. Maybe there's, maybe there's some, some things that, that you want to do or, or that are even beyond what maybe you think you can do right now. And some of us in our lives, we maybe have some people that, that hate us or, or hate on us for sharing that dream. I, I want to tell you that I, I think we live in a world, I think life is too short for you to have people around you that constantly just hate on you. So if you've got people in your life that, that don't want to help you and encourage you and love you along the way, you know, I think in love that as uh, good friends and good relationships we have, we can, we can encourage and we can correct even. We can, we can tell people, hey, you're doing something wrong and do it in a way that's, that's loving where they know we love them. But if you got people in your life that are just haters, people that are just trying to keep you, maybe sometime, maybe it's time to find some new friends. Maybe it's time to, to step away from some people in your life. 
Not in one of those things where you got to cut them out, but just like, man, you know, there's not, not a really reason for us to, to be together. Joseph's got some haters in his life. These ones are his family. As we continue on, it says in verse 8, it says, his brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? He had told him about this great dream that he had in which they all were represented by bales of hay that bent over and bowed to him. They said, do you actually think you'll reign over us? They hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way they talked about him. Verse 11 through 13, it says, but while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams really meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks in Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing the sheep in Shechem. Get ready, and I will send you out to them. Go and see how your brothers, in verse 14, and the flocks are getting along. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem, and from there, home to the valley of Hebron. Verse 18, it says, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him at a distance, and as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father and that wild animal came and ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of this scheme, Reuben was one of Jacob or Joseph's brothers. He came to Joseph's rescue. He said, let's not kill him. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into the empty cistern here in this wilderness. Then he'll die without our, us lay, laying even a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return to him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and they threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. So Joseph finds finds himself in a place in which he's literally in a pit in the wilderness, has no water. At some point, I would have to think, starts to think, that the end is coming. As I was reading the story this past week, I couldn't help but, but connect with times in my own life, and maybe you do as well, where you felt like in your life you've been in a pit. Maybe there's times in which you feel like emotionally you just felt low. You feel like the people that are closest to you just maybe cut you out, that they started to maybe speak some hate on you. Maybe you're at a point where you, you feel like you feel like you're alone. And the way that, that life is going isn't what you expected. It's not what you dreamt of. I think if that's the case, I, I, I want to challenge you with this, is to, to hold on. To not so much live and, and assess just the moment that you're in, but understand that, that this is just a part of what will be your history one day, that, that maybe in, in the midst of the story that you're in, that, that maybe this isn't the final chapter, maybe this is just one of the chapters. Some of you guys know a little bit about my story and what I've come from. Um, others might not, so I want to share a little bit 
just about my testimony, just kind of what God's done in me. You know, I was a, when I was a kid, even going through high school, I was, uh, I was a pretty tough one to, to, to take care of and get along with. Um, you know, my dad's got a lot of gray in his beard right now. I'm sure a lot of it came from, from me stressing him out over the years, sneaking out, hanging out with the wrong people, skipping school. At some point, though, in my last year of high school, I, I connected with a guy that come to find out was a youth pastor at a local church. His name was Mike. Mike was a great dude. Mike was just very real. Mike started to form a, a relationship and a bond with me, a friendship. He started to mentor me and, and help me and, and in a loving way called me out on the things that were kind of jacking my life up. I found myself, after spending some time with Mike, after about a couple years, 18 months or so, I gave my life over to Jesus. I had seen what it looked like to have a relationship with Jesus through a guy that just had had a real relationship with me. I remember going over to Mike's house and Mike sharing with me just, you know, the, we would sit down to dinner with his family. And there was so much peace in his home. And I, I was like, man, there's got to be something. There's something different here. I had experienced church before. I knew what religion was. Coming to find out, I, I didn't really know what a real relationship with Jesus looked like. And this guy, just from a matter of having a connection with me, showed me what it looked like to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, and it changed my life forever. And as I, as I even felt the change in me, as I started to have a daily conversation and, and have a daily walk with Jesus, I realized, I mean, this is what I've been searching for. I've been looking for something to help me find peace or help me find just the, that, that fullness that I need or that, that purpose I needed in life. I looked for it in, in so many different wrong places. And so as I'd seen Mike help me along the way just being, by being a real guy by showing me what a real relationship with Jesus looked like, I said, man, that's what I want to be. And so right out of high school, I went to Bible college had no idea what to expect. And for that time I was in Bible college for those years, it was one of the best experiences I'd ever had. It was trying. It was tough. It was spiritually stretching. My faith was stretched. But Jesus just continued to have his way with me and adjust me and build me up. And at the end of that time, when it came time for me to take the next step out of Bible college and into working at a church or into full-time ministry, Man, I was so incredibly nervous. I was scared, but I was ready to take on the world. That same time I had connected, uh, reconnected with Mike along the way, he had you know, constantly been calling me and, and updating or asking me for updates and what was going on. We would talk about what was happening in college. Him and his wife had gone up to a place in, in Georgia, and they had started to be church planners. He told me a little bit about it. I said, man, I don't know. You know, Bible college, I had to do this thing where we would set up and tear down church like every week. And I remember thinking to myself, if I ever work in a church, I never want to work in a church that is set up and tear down every week. I said, God, I don't, I'm just not going to do it. And so as I was talking with Mike about this new church he was planning in, in a little cafeteria in, in an elementary school in Georgia, he's like, it's set up and tear down. I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do this set up and tear down thing. 
But I met with him, and, and through the years, he finally, he, he asked me, he's like, man, he's like, I don't have a lot of money to pay you. He's like, but I'd love for you to come up and work for me. So I came up, I went to Georgia and worked for him and worked at a, a, the little church that he started for, for two and a half years. And it was, it was a great two and a half years. I saw him move from an elementary school to a storefront, and to, from a storefront to their own building. It was super cool to see God work in his life and continue to strengthen my faith. But towards the end of my time with Mike, he had a, a really tough experience with church people. And after years of, of committing his life to, to this group of people, these families in, in North Georgia, I experienced a time in which the church turned in on itself and started pointing fingers at one another, started arguing with one another, started saying things that were not true and causing pain amongst their own family. And it was one thing to see what was happening at the church, but it was another thing to see what was happening with my dear friend and the guy that had discipled me and introduced me to Jesus. And my time there, it, it just completely broke my heart. So it got to a point in which, because of what I saw the pain of him going through, because of what I've seen church people do to one another, I said, man, I don't, I don't think ministry's for me. And I walked away. I left, I moved back down to Florida. And I remember feeling emotionally and spiritually just like I was in a pit. The thing I had seen happen of, of someone showing me what a real relationship with Jesus, how it would change your life, as, as he taught other people that, I got hurt by church people. And I remember thinking, I don't think church is something I'm, I'm going to do. Now, I didn't step away from Jesus. I still had a relationship with him. But I wasn't mature enough to understand that the people in the church, they're not perfect. Jesus is the one that's perfect. I didn't know how to disconnect the, the two. I was holding the church up on this pedestal of, man, they're supposed to be following Jesus, and Jesus is perfect, and Jesus talked to people with love and respect and compassion. I saw people that didn't do that. And so it took me time. I remember spiritually feeling like I was in a dark, steep pit of despair. And I didn't want to be a part of it. A couple of years later, I had a buddy call me up. It was another man that was very similar to Mike. He just had a real relationship with Jesus. It wasn't about the hoopla. It wasn't about the religious movement. It was about connecting his heart to Jesus. And he, he was a worship pastor at a church. He said, man, I need someone to come play bass for me. And so he invited me to church, and it was the first time I had been in church in probably over a year. I was like, man, there's something different here. Played bass for him for a couple weeks, and one Sunday as I was playing bass, I looked over to the left, and there's this real pretty blonde chick working in the cafe. I said, man, this church ain't so bad. I met Erica, and we started dating, and we started volunteering together, and we volunteered in the kids ministry or in the youth ministry and helped out in 
And next thing I knew, there was something in me that had stirred and changed. And I was working construction at the time, and, and it switched from, from this thing where I felt like spiritually I was in a pit to, to now I felt like, man, what I'm doing and working construction, like I'm, I'm making good money, but this, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. So after praying about it, I said, man, I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to leave this job, and I'm just going to commit my life to what I felt like God had called me to in the beginning. My calling hadn't changed. I'd kind of gotten off course a little bit. I said, God, I'm going to trust in you. I took a step and became a secretary at a church, which is incredibly hilarious because if you know anything about me, I'm the least administrative person in this room right now. My spelling is atrocious. My calendar is atrocious. Like, it is, it, it, it's terrible. It's, you guys need to be praying for your pastor. It's on a different level. Eric and I got married. We were the youth pastors. At some point, as we just continued to pursue teaching people about what a real relationship with Jesus looked like, we got the opportunity to become campus pastors. And almost five years ago now, I felt God saying to step on faith and become church planners to a church that does set up and tear down every week. I'm happy to do set up and tear down every, every week. And I'm at a point now where I realize that the pit I was in, that wasn't the end of the chat. That wasn't the end of the, my story. That wasn't the end of the book. That was just a chapter in it. And I'm telling you today that, that because of what I went through, I'm better today. I'm at a point where I, I can see that and recognize that with other people and help them through those times because if you're human human that's going to happen you're going to be hurt by someone your expectations are going to implode because someone doesn't do what you think they're supposed to do or or someone you trusted turns around and stabs you in the back pain is real despair is real but i want to challenge you that in that moment to realize that that's just going to be a moment in your history. That's going to be a moment that you can learn from. And what's happening right now, if you'll let him understand it's still his story and he's still writing it in you. So don't give up. Keep having faith in him. If we look into the story of Joseph, he's in, in despair. He's has no water to drink. He's literally at a point where he's in a pit by himself and he thinks he's probably going to die but something happens God's not done with him yet come to find out he gets pulled out of the pit gets sold into slavery gets thrown into prison there's three or four things that happen in his life that are absolutely terrible but towards the end of it as he becomes a a little bit older of a man, God sets him up with opportunity to become the leader of the nation of Egypt. And as Egypt is going through one of the toughest times, he uses the things that he learned when he was in the pit. He uses things that he learned when he was in prison. He uses the things he, he learned when he was a servant to help get the Egyptian people have one of the toughest droughts that they would go through. And not only does he save a nation, it gives them the opportunity 
to save his family that hurt him along the way. In Genesis chapter 45, towards the end of the story, verse 7 and 8, Joseph says this to his brothers that have come crawling back to him. He says, you know what? He says, God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve, preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. When he sat in the pit, I'm sure he didn't think, God's put me here. But at the end of the book, he realized, man, this, just was, just, this was just part of a chapter in my life. And so I want to challenge you to understand that it's his story, not your story. And understand that what you're going through now, it might be difficult, it might be tough, but it's not the end of the book. It just might be part of the chapter. It might be part of the story that he's writing in you, and you might need the lessons that you're going to learn in this tough time to help get you to the next chapter, to help you along the way three or four chapters from now. So don't lose heart. Continue to keep your faith in him. I remember a couple years ago, listening to a, a pastor that I, I really enjoy listening to, and he said to his congregation, he said, many of you think that, that God's already done with you. You've experienced all that you can experience. You've lived out your purpose. He said, you know how to find out and know if God's not done with you? He said, if you're not dead, God's not done. And I, and I want to challenge you with that. If you're not dead, God's not done. It's not the end of the book, it just might be part of the chapter you're going through. So keep going. Get some people around you that will encourage you and help you and pray for you along the way. If you don't have those people, come talk to me, man. I'll help be those people. Just don't ask me to write anything for you or manage your calendar. But I'll cheerlead you. I think as God continues to write his story, through us, through me, through us as a church, through you as a family. I think it's just part of the greater picture of what he's going to be doing in this world. I think if we'll let him have control, let him do what he wants to do in our story, the whole story becomes all the better. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, between you and God, maybe you're going through one of those times right now where things feel dark Maybe you feel despair. Maybe you're at the bottom of a pit. Today, if that's you, and you need encouragement, you need help, just even where you're sitting right now, I want, to, I want you to open up your hand as you would be reaching for someone. And even as you do that, I believe that the Holy Spirit is there to minister to you, to help you, to give you peace, to show you part of the plan. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would step into these situations of what we're dealing with. I pray that you would charge us and help us understand that what we're going through is just part of the story that you're writing through us. And I thank you for what's to come. I thank you for what we're going through. 
even though it might feel painful. I know it's part of what you're doing and the great picture that it is what you've called us to. Have your way above all. We love you so incredibly much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.